Hey there, welcome to the Clyde Podcast. I'm so glad that you are hanging out with me today. Usually I sit down and interview guests who are experiencing the Lord run into their lives in amazing ways and bring healing and hope and purpose. And God's even using all of that to purpose them in the world to impact other people's lives. And today, that's not what I'm handing you. I'm actually handing you a uh, time where I just sat down and shared from my heart how to find God with our kids. I think so many of us long for our kids to know God, to love God, to experience God's goodness and truth and all of these things. And so often we feel like we have no idea what we're doing. And so in this podcast, you're going to hear me share from the day I brought my first baby home and felt like I had no idea what I was doing to now I have two young adults and I often feel like I still don't know what I'm doing. But I share what I've learned in the last 20-some years of parenting and how I have experienced finding God with both Aiden and Bella. So I hope that this this episode just encourages you in the place you're at with the kids that you love with your whole heart and long for them to know God. He truly does run into our lives when we're just with our kiddos. So check out this episode. I um, have so much to share with you about finding God with your kids. I don't know about you, but um, ever since I have had kids, I felt like I don't know what I'm doing. In fact, when Rob and I had Aiden, our firstborn, in the hospital 20 years ago, I had an emergency C-section. Long story short, we finally got to leave the hospital. We get our car seat approved. We put him in the back seat, and I was sitting in the back with him, and Rob takes off in the car, and he didn't even get a block away from the hospital, and I yell from the back, turn around, Rob, turn around, and he's like, why, did we leave something? And I was like, no, we don't know what we're doing. We have no idea what we're doing. Turn around, go back. And I still feel that way. And I have a 20-year-old and an 18-year-old. And so my hope for you today is if you feel like you don't know what you're doing in parenting or you don't know what you're doing when it comes to finding God with your kids, you're not alone. I think so many of us feel this way, and there's sort of this... um, belief that maybe everyone else knows what they're doing, but we're the ones that don't. And I I don't think that's true. I still feel that way. So be encouraged. We cannot know what we're doing together and help one another. The There's so many things I, I want to go through with you today. I think I have uh, almost 14 different ways we can find God with our kids. Um, and so I'm going to go through those. The, the next one is to invite kids into their own faith. When Aiden was little, I don't know, maybe he was three or four, I don't remember, but we were driving somewhere, and he said, where's God, Mama? And I thought, oh, man, I'm going to have to start answering these big questions. And the questions have only gotten bigger, obviously, the older that my kids have gotten, and now they're um, young adults. But 
I was driving and I thought, oh, wow, God is everywhere. Like I know that from Psalm 139, from what I've read in Scripture. How do I explain? I was like, oh, man, Aiden, like everywhere you look, you see that man on the corner? God made that man. You see that tree? God grew that tree. You see the clouds and the sunshine in the sky? God made, though. There's there's nowhere you can go that God is not. And I said, in fact, in, in the Bible, and I didn't say the reference, but in John 14, 23, it says that if we want God to come and make his home in us, we can in, in ask him to. And so I told Aiden this when he was little, and we were on our way to um, Stone Cold Ice Cream. That was his favorite. And he was like, really? Like God would live in there with the gummy bears? Because Aiden loved gummy bears as his topping. And I was like, even with the gummy bears. And so later that night, you know, I was putting him to bed and we we're snuggling, and he said, "Mama, I want God to live in the tum in my tummy with the gummy bears." And I thought, "Oh my gosh, that's so cool!" And so we prayed and just asked God to move in and make His home inside of Aiden's tummy. And ever since my kids were little, I knew I wanted to invite my kids into their own faith. I didn't grow up in a religious home. I didn't grow up going to church. I didn't grow up even um, knowing the Bible, knowing the gospel, knowing why Jesus died on the cross. And so when I had kids, I knew, man, I want to be able to truly have them deeply love Jesus and have faith. And I didn't know how to do that. And I didn't have a mother and father that modeled that for me. And so— I knew I wanted to invite them into their own faith, and I'm still doing that. All these years since Aiden invited Jesus to live in his tummy with the gummy bears, I'm still inviting them into faith, and you can too. And I think that word inviting is so important. I think we spend a lot of time debating, a lot of time trying to prove, a lot of time um, spinning facts. And so I use language with my teenage that maybe just slightly sounds a little bit different. So if we get into conversations about God and faith, or they ask me a question, or they're arguing or whatever, I just use language like, you know, I believe this, and maybe share what I believe, but you're going to have to decide what you believe. I think there's something actually empowering and freeing, especially to a teenager, that we're not telling them what they have to believe, but instead we're giving them the opportunity to decide. They don't want to be forced to believe anything because we do. They don't want to inherit faith. We don't want them to just swallow faith like a pill. We want them to actually have it. And so giving them the freedom to listen and and decide for themselves. I ask a ton of questions when we get into conversations about faith. Questions like, well, well, why do you think God says that in the Bible? What do you think it means? Or where do you get your understanding of God's character? If, if you don't read Scripture, you don't believe the Bible, how do you know what God is like? Or if we're coming up, you know, against something, or I had a conversation recently where one of my teenagers was arguing, well, well, how can you prove that this is true? And I just said, well, in my experience, I use a lot of in my experience, in my story, the way that I've seen God show up and collide in my life and radically change it. This is what I know to be true. Here's the thing. Nobody can argue with your story and your experience. 
we can argue facts and figures and all of those things. But when you start changing your language and saying, in my experience, this is what I've experienced to be true about Jesus, that still creates this invitation for our kids to knock and seek and look and always encouraging them, God will show you. God will reveal himself to you. God will show himself to you. So my third thing that I want to impart to you to remember is that God is a big boy. He is a big boy, right? Yeah, I think we think we need to prove God's existence to our kids, and we don't need to prove God's existence. We need to point to God's existence. We need to say, hey, look, that might be God. Did you see what God just did? Did, Let me tell you about what I saw today. Let me tell you about what I experienced. Let me tell you about what He did in my life 10 years ago. We can point to God's existence, to point to God being real, point to God being amazing, but we don't have to prove it. Because God is majestic. He's supreme. He's big. He He's powerful. He's omnipresent. And so he'll be with our kids wherever they go. He'll He'll be with them in the halls of the school. He'll be with them at the mall with their friends. He'll be with them when they're binging TikTok in their bedrooms. And he's a big boy. And he actually wants to pursue our kids even more than we do. He he's what some people call he's he's the hound of heaven. I mean, he's going after them. I remember when Aiden was in 5th grade and I was putting him to bed one night and I decided to ask him, "How do you sense God?" And I was kind of afraid once I once I asked it, I was afraid what if, what if he what if he doesn't? What if his answer is I don't sense God and then the whole thing comes crumbling into pieces. And he said, well, the other day I, I, I was on the recess playground and he said, I was all the way over on one side of, of the playground and mom, it was like someone tapped me on the shoulder and I turned around and I saw my friend Mason and Mason was on the ground and another kid had a hula hoop and was pushing his neck down into the ground and it was like God told me to turn around and look and I looked and I ran over and I grabbed that kid and, you know, took him off my friend and spun him around and said, leave my friend alone. And he said, Mom, I guess that's kind of how I experience God. And I grew in faith in that conversation. I thought, man, that is so crazy. And and I realized that we can trust God is pursuing our kids even if our kids are not pursuing Him. So that's one of the things I want to encourage you with. The fourth thing is that you can find God with your kids. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. And I think that's really interesting that that when other people are like, man, kids are a nuisance, kids are in the way, kids keep me from, you know, my agenda, my to-dos, my things. And Jesus says, no, 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 let the little children come to me. When you are with your kids, you'll experience Jesus. He's there. 
He is right there. And sometimes I think we need to go take our teen and go experience some mountaintop spiritual thing. But Jesus is just with your kids. And when you hang out with your kids, you can find Jesus. And Jesus is in the ordinary. The same Jesus that that you could find teaching in a boat will hop into your kid's new ride. Right? The same Jesus who turned uh, water into wine at a wedding will also show up while your kid's playing pickleball. The same Jesus who we see in, at parties in the New Testament will also show up and be at your dinner table on an average Tuesday. So I want to encourage you that the simple act of just being with your kid and looking for God there will invite you both to collide with him. I I remember the night before Bella left for college just recently, and we were all hanging out on the back deck, and it's what I call the triple F, forced family time. Like, guys, we need to hang out. We need to be together. Bella's moving. And I've done a lot of forced family time. That's for another conversation. But just let's let's spend time together. We're spending time together, and it was this sweet moment. And it got even sweeter when we we— we're going to close down for the night because we had to get up early so we could go down to Oregon, move her into the dorms. And um, a friend texted and said there was a meteor shower outside. And we had just turned off the lights and um, we were headed to bed. And we thought, let's go back out on the back deck. And we got blankets. And Rob and me and Aiden and Bella here with our teenager were laying on, on the outdoor couches looking up and watching for the meteor shower. And it was the sweetest time of us just looking up in the sky and seeing the work of our Creator, the one who put the stars and the moon in place, the one who made everything and all together. We're seeing His glory. We're seeing what He can do. And it was, was, it was the sweetest of times in the most ordinary of places, our back deck. So when you come to your kids, you also will come to Jesus. The fifth thing I want to impart is quite simply the greatest way you can influence your kids spiritually starts with things that are not seemingly spiritual. It has actually been when I take the time to connect with my kids that I think I influence them most spiritually. It's when I go to Ulta for the 100th time and I don't ever want to go there again. It's when I learn the TikTok dance, I don't want to learn because I don't want that video to go anywhere ever. It's when I drive them and their friends to all the places I don't feel like I have time to go to. It's when I sit on the couch and listen to endless chatter about topics I don't care about while my to-do list grows and grows and grows. It's actually this connection deposits the ability to influence your children. If you're sitting here and you're like, man, I'm worried I'm concerned. I wish my kid had faith. I wish my kid knew God. I wish my kid knew God's character and wanted more of Him in their life. The very, very, very best thing you can do 
is connect with your kid, doing ordinary things that don't seem spiritual because connection truly deposits the ability to then speak into and influence your children. It's so crazy how when I do these seemingly ordinary things, all of a sudden they open up. They start talking about their anxiety. They start sharing about their hopes and dreams. They begin to open up about their insecurities and their fears and their beliefs about God, and they let me speak into those things. But it's only after I've deposited connection upon connection upon connection. So you don't have to go manufacture something extraordinary. It's actually in the ordinary that you can have the very most influence. So that's my encouragement to you. We are so glad you're here tuning into the Collide podcast with us each week. We're thrilled that you're enjoying our content and finding inspiration in our episodes. But did you know that Collide has so much more to offer? If you want to stay up to date on all the latest news, receive exclusive discounts, exciting announcements, and all the deets on our upcoming events, sign up for the Collide newsletter. Our newsletter is filled with inspiring content, printed Bible studies, devotionals, and encouraging messages to keep you motivated and inspired. Our newsletter is delivered to your inbox twice a month, and don't worry, we promise you won't receive any spam, just curated content that feels way more like an exciting message from your best friend, full of content to encourage, inform, and inspire you right where you're at. So to make sure to stay connected with us and receive exclusive inspiration from Willow, click the link in the show notes to subscribe to our newsletter. We can't wait to see you in our inbox. The sixth one is, is praise childlike faith. I think we overcomplicate faith with our kids, and I think it's not attractive. Why would our kids want to be invited into something that is so overly complicated? And you see Jesus, He praises childlike faith, right? Come to me, anyone who comes to me like one of these. And so even when you think of things, here's some examples, prayer, and you're talking to your kid about prayer. Prayer, I say to my kids, is just talking to God. It's having a conversation. Sometimes we talk. Sometimes we listen. Sometimes we're we're silent. It's just a relationship with God. There's communication. That's what prayer is. Or sometimes we talk about God in very simplistic terms, like God is like a dad, and He he wants to hang out with you. He wants to connect with you. He wants you to jump up on His lap and cozy up and just be with Him. He wants to laugh with you. He wants to adore the, the art that you painted. That is our Father. Bringing it down to simplistic terms is something that we all actually need. Um you know, sometimes I'll say, hey, man, if God made you, like go to the very basics. If if God made you, then how much more does he have big plans for your life? So if you're feeling discouraged today because you didn't get into the college you wanted to or you didn't pass the test that was in the class that you thought was a subject you were good at or you didn't make the sports team, God made you. He He made your, your fingers and your toes and he made your body and your mind and your heart and he gave you specific gifts. gifts. And if he made you, 
He certainly has big plans for your life. Just these simplistic ideas like let's not complicate what a life of faith looks like for our kids. The seventh one that I want to talk about is, got to find my notes here, letting go of the need to be the teacher, but instead get schooled by your kids. And I love this idea. I've been living this idea for a really long time because I think many of us think, and I know I did when I was a new Christian, I became a parent and I wanted to teach my kids about Jesus and faith and it wasn't something I experienced. I think many of us, you know, take on this idea that we have to teach our kids everything. We have to teach them God's word, God's character, God's commands, God's promises. We need to prove that God is real. We need to make sure they they know enough that they choose to believe believe in him, and there's just all of this pressure to teach and train. And I'm curious how often you let your kid teach you about God. I try to do this all the time. When Bella came home one day in high school and told me she said no to going to a dance with a boy, I probed as to why. Of course, I was feeling sorry for him because I hate when people feel rejected. And she explained that um, that he proclaimed faith but wasn't kind to people at school that he was kind of nasty to people at school. And and I saw not just um, not, not a judgmentalism, but a very thoughtful um, young woman who actually cares about how Christ is represented. And a young woman who didn't want to align herself with someone who shuts out whole populations of people and treats them poorly. And uh, so I thanked her for teaching me how important it is to um, notice when people are are being nasty who align with Christ and how we can be careful not to find ourselves aligning with that same message because it gets in the way of people seeing who Christ really is. Um, When Aiden went off to college at 18 years old, he, um, well, actually, I, I won't tell that story. I have so many stories I want to tell, and I'm, I'm running out of time. But recently, he um, was meeting with a, a mentor, and the mentor was teaching him something about not just giving your first fruits, not just giving what you can your first fruits, but actually giving away a seed, giving away something that that grows your fruits, something that is a huge sacrifice. And Aiden had this kind of monumental experience with this mentor, and and he actually went and um, he went out and started giving away food to the homeless on his own. And long story short, I wish I had more time to tell the story. But he he started sharing this sacrifice that he was making as a result of what he was learning from a mentor. And I got the opportunity to learn from my kid. And I said, wow, thank you so much for sharing this with me. I am going to consider what might be 
a seed that I can sacrifice, something I can give that isn't easy but might require much from me. And I think there's so many examples along the way as a mom where I got schooled by my kids, but I think our kids can teach us too. And when we can thank them, we give their voice spiritual influence. I was up to making a decision several years ago. I got offered a job as a pastor at a church, and it was going to come with a salary, which I didn't have at Collide. Um, It was going to come with tons of resources to be able to pull off a lot of ministry. It was going to come with an office, all these things that I didn't have here. And we got the Collide board together to make a decision on what I should do because everything on paper made sense Um, and for me to take this job. But yet here is this thing called Collide. And we actually invited Aiden to come with the board And we had sort of a Quaker discerning meeting. And here's this teenager, and he's sitting in a room of all adults. And in this discerning process, everyone just asks questions. That's what they do. They ask questions. And we gave Aiden a seat at the table. We we often don't do that with teenagers, right? We only give the adults a seat at the table. Give your kids a seat at the table to speak spiritually into your life. And I I did that in that room, and it was actually what Aiden said in that room that was so clear to me and everyone else that God had called me to stay the course. He had called me to Clyde. He had made Clyde, created Clyde, and that he was doing something beyond what I can imagine. Even if it took sacrifice, it was impacting lives. And it was the path that I was supposed to choose, even if the other path made sense on paper. But it was actually Aiden's voice who spoke into that. And I think so often if kids only feel like they're just constantly the ones who have so much to learn but never anything to teach, we're actually discounting them, right? And so give your kids a spiritual voice. The eighth thing is is that every kid connects to God differently, so don't expect them to all be the same. Don't expect if you have multiple kids, don't expect Susie to be like Johnny. And in the same way that you and I connect to God differently, our kids might connect to God differently. The only example I can really give you is like my husband. When he goes skiing on Mount Baker, he's like, oh my gosh, look at the magic of God who made these mountains, and and he finds God in the outdoors. He water skis, and he sees the God who made the lake. He experiences God when he goes to India and Haiti and Guatemala and Peru and serves the poor. Those are that. Those are his his jam. Like that's where he feels most close to God. I remember one day we're in church and we were singing that song years ago, the worship song, I Could Sing of Your Love Forever. And Rob turned over and looked at me and um, made the, the sign of a gun at his head and said, if heaven's like this, I'm going to hate it. <laughs> like, Rob, you should not do that in church. But the point is, is like, Rob doesn't connect to Jesus through song. 
that's not his jam. Like, he connects to Jesus through serving the poor and through being outdoors. And Gary Thomas wrote an amazing book years ago. I think you can still get copies. It's called Sacred Pathways, but it's about how we all have ways and paths that we feel closest to God. Some of us um, mentally feel closest to God when we're reading and when we're learning. Some of us is when we're outdoor in creation. Some of us is when we're experiencing God in in the Spirit and, and seeing Him do amazing things and we're worshiping Him in song. We have different paths where we feel most close to God. I know mine is to be by the water. Me and Jesus, we just kick it by the ocean, man, whether I'm sitting in a chair and I'm looking at the shore and I'm looking at the sand and the rocks and the horizon and the sunset, or I'm on a walk, I feel most close to God by the water. Well, you have a kid and your kid has a sacred pathway. There is a certain way that your kid might feel most close to God and you might be forcing your kid to feel most close to God in a way that they don't. And so really be open to the idea that perhaps they're more like Rob than they are like me, or more like your husband than they are like you, or vice versa. I remember when Aiden went on a service trip with his youth group, and he came back. It was his first service trip um, outside of family mission trips we've gone on. And He was so impacted by serving other people that he said, I want to be baptized. And his youth leader was like, we didn't even talk about baptism on this trip. And I said, Aiden, where did you get this idea that all of a sudden you want to be baptized? He's like, I felt so close to God serving people. He became real for me in a way I've never experienced before. I want to be baptized. And that is still true of Aiden. Aiden doesn't want to sing worship songs to God, but Aiden finds God when he is giving food to the homeless. In fact, this Christmas, um, this last Christmas, you know, I was asked the kids what they want for Christmas dinner. They usually request homemade spaghetti and meatballs. We, you know, did the present thing, had this lovely dinner, and Aiden just looked at all three of us and was like, we have all these leftovers. We need to go hand out food to the homeless. And I think, you know, some of us were like, it's Christmas, like the one day of the year we don't leave our home, like we're cozy, we're in pajamas, our tummies are full. And we realized he's right. And so we actually packaged up and made all these mini meals and got in the car and went and delivered meals to homeless people on Christmas night. And... We did that because our son connects most with God in that way, and he is sharpening us. He is growing us. He's influencing us. So allow your kid to find their own sacred pathway and don't create unnecessary religious baggage by expecting your kid to get hyped about Jesus in the same way that you do. 
Friend, I hope that this somehow blessed you in some way. And just so you know, this was part one of a part two series that I did. So hop on next week to hear the the second part of my thoughts on finding God with your kids. In the meantime, this week, if you want more resources for mom life, we have that on our website at wecollide.net. Make sure you check it out. There's also some free mom devos on there, so you can download those and experience God uh, each and every day um, in a way that truly will bless you. So check that out. Again, that's at weekly.net. If you loved this episode and you want to share it with another mom who maybe needs some encouragement, that's just such a simple act. It shares the work and the ministry that God is doing here, but most of all, it blesses that woman that you're trying to encourage. So just share this episode. We'll catch you next week where we'll finish this conversation. Talk to you then.